message in song. How many of you appreciate music, good music that ministers to the heart, to the soul, that gets you ready for the preaching of the Word of God? Brother Bish, thank you so much for the invitation to come back after having just been here a few months ago and, and uh, trusting me with your pulpit. I do not take that lightly. As a pastor for three decades, I was very stingy with who would stand in my pulpit. And I know it's not my pulpit. I get that. It's, it's the Lord's church. We get that. But I do believe as a shepherd that we want to make sure those that stand here to feed the flock of God, as we spoke of in Sunday school, that uh, they do get fed. So thank you for trusting me uh, with your pulpit. And uh, I likewise uh, have so enjoyed uh, your friendship. I actually wrote this down in my remarks here, a relationship of friendship. I feel like that's what we have, and God's uh, given that to us. And uh, I, I think had, uh, had we not realized what time it was this afternoon after lunch, they maybe would have kicked us out of there after sitting at the booth so long, you know, and, and uh, just enjoying one another, just kind of talking ministry. And, and uh, you know, sometimes only pastors can talk to other pastors and just to share our hearts and so we, uh, we got the family conference all planned out. Amen. We're ready and set to go. Not till September, but I'm looking forward to coming. And my wife will be with me. Uh, my wife and I will celebrate 33 years of marriage uh, come June the 1st. We met in Bible college our sophomore year. We both went to Hiles Anderson College in the late 80s and met our sophomore year. After that first date, October 30, 1987, I knew she was the one. And uh, we both waited till after graduation. And uh, that was in June of 1990 and uh, got married, went, to, went on our honeymoon and came back to our first ministry. Just started two weeks later and just kind of jumped in with both feet. And we've been doing this forever for the last 33 years. And God has been so very good. I appreciate uh, the giving this morning to the love offering. Thank you very much. That uh, is very, very kind of you. This obviously was a step of faith about 14 months ago. Uh, to leave a, a very large church uh, that I pastored, a, a long-tenured ministry, but I knew that God was launching me out into this new adventure. How many of you ever been on an adventure when God asked you to, and you're not sure what the next steps are, amen? And uh, sometimes it ends up in jail, like my brother down here, amen? And I'm glad they let you out. That's what I tell my dad every time I call him. Dad, I'm glad they let you out today. And uh, that's always uh, an awesome thing. But when you know you're serving Jesus, that makes it all worthwhile, doesn't it? And uh, we're going to talk a little bit about that tonight and a little bit uh, about faith this evening. I'm going to ask you to take your Bibles, please. And go to the passage that we read just a moment ago, the book of 2 Kings and chapter number 4. As I told you this morning, I was really... Uh, kind of debating between a couple of different messages and the direction that I would go. And I believe the Lord allowed us to go the right direction. I believe it was uh, what uh, we needed to hear this morning uh, from the Word of God. And likewise, this afternoon, I, I really had about three directions that I was praying about and wrestling with. And, and what I'm going to preach to you tonight is not what I intended to preach to you this evening. And I hope it'll be a great blessing. How many of you know God knows what you need better than the preacher knows what you need? Amen. I want to talk to you on the subject tonight, living beyond your means. Living beyond your means. You know, often we would say a similar statement that would actually be the opposite of that. And when we say this in relation to money or finances, we would say, and rightly would say, you need to live within your means. How many understand or believe that we should live within our means? 
you know, obviously we've got to be very careful about, about credit, right? We'd have to be very careful about uh, buying something that we cannot afford or something that maybe we're not ready for, something that uh, would uh, inhibit our financial future. So obviously there is a concept of living within your means. However, tonight I believe we're going to find an Old Testament story that teaches the exact opposite, and that is that sometimes God asks us to live beyond our means, and that's where faith comes in. The story, obviously, is the story of the prophet Elisha. You know that Elisha was the successor to the great prophet Elijah. And Elijah and Elisha spent some time together. They were really one of the Old Testament duos, kind of these uh, men that you might put together, kind of like uh, Moses and Joshua, right? And Elijah and uh, Elisha. And you get to the New Testament, Paul and uh, Timothy. I kind of like how God puts men together, and, and often they are different generations. Elijah, the older man of God, and Elisha, the Bible says, was his minister. And obviously they had a very sweet and, and uh, a great relationship. And, and uh, not preaching from this tonight, but you'll remember the story how that Elisha asked God that he could have a double portion of the spirit of Elijah. How many remember that story? And, and, and the, the story goes, uh, uh, Elijah said, if you see me when God takes me up, God will answer that prayer. And, and God did answer that prayer. And Elisha, in many ways, had a double portion ministry than, than uh, the prophet Elijah did. And so we find in 2 Kings chapter number 4 that one of the many stories uh, along the, the life and along the pathway and the journey that Elisha is making is that there is a man that is a member of what is called in verse 1 uh, the, the school of the prophets, we might say. And uh, we might call that uh, a, uh, a college, possibly. Maybe a situation where uh, these men were coming to the prophet of God to, to be trained for ministry. And, and the Bible says that in this story, this man, he passes away. Now, this man has uh, a wife. The Bible says that she now has become a widow because he has passed away. Not only does he leave a wife, but he also leaves two sons. I believe the Bible is very clear that this was a good man. I believe that we find that he has very obedient sons. We're going to find through the story that they are very obedient to what their mother asked them to do after Elisha kind of gives a little bit of direction or instruction. And, and uh, these sons, even having uh, lost their father, still have a great relationship with their mom. And they realize that, that uh, mom is in a hard way here. And this is a difficult season and, and a situation. And so obviously he had trained his sons well. I also believe that this is a good man because uh, obviously he has a very good relationship with the prophet Elisha, the man of God in his life. And may I just please dovetail with what I said again this morning in the Sunday school hour. I, I, I hope and trust that you likewise as the membership of Heritage Baptist Church will have a good relationship with your man of God, with, with your prophet Elisha, as it were, if we can say it that way. And I believe that this man had a good relationship. They, there was a personal relationship here. Uh, Elisha knows the story. He understands what this lady is going through. So obviously, there was a relationship that had been built. The Bible says in verse number one that this man was a fearer of the Lord. Would you notice in verse 1, it says, Now there was, uh, there cried a certain woman of the wives of the sons of the prophets unto Elisha, saying, 
thy servant, my husband, is dead. And thou knowest that thy servant, watch this, did fear the Lord. Hey, wouldn't that be a great testimony? And can I just add a little bit of what I would like to say to what Pastor said a moment ago about, about Brother Ron Hamilton? Uh, he is truly a servant of the Lord, has he not been? For decades and decades and and how many of you parents have all of the Patch the Pirate songs memorized because your children have listened to them so many times on car rides, amen, and before they go to sleep at night and while they're playing and, and all of that, he has made a mark on our generation with good godly music and he's gonna enter into heaven and I believe that he is gonna hear, well done, thou good and faithful servant, amen. This is the kind of man we're talking about. The Bible says that this man uh, is, was a servant of the Lord, uh, you'll notice we read a moment ago, he's also called a servant. Thy servant did fear the Lord. And, uh, uh, but the creditors are come to take unto him these two sons to be bondmen. So obviously, although he was a good man, he's, he's uh, training for ministry as it were, he has a good relationship with Elisha, he has had a tragedy that has taken place in his life and his family. He's taken in death, maybe prematurely, probably prematurely, as we would say, as age would go, he leaves two sons. We don't know what their ages are, but, but obviously this widow woman is left wondering what is going to happen next. The Bible says she was left with debts that she could not pay. Now, I mentioned a moment ago, when we live within our means, obviously, we would be living with a, with a wise stewardship in our finances, and I believe that we should do so. And for whatever reason... Uh, this man had some debts that he is now leaving to this widow woman that she is going to have to face the creditors. In days, Bible days, we know that, and history even tells us that sometimes, and I think it's alluded to in verse number one here, that sometimes the creditors wanting their money, and if there was no money to pay, they were going to take the two sons and make them as bondmen. They basically were going to say, you're going to become ours and you're going to work this debt off. So can you only imagine what this lady is feeling? Let's put ourselves in her situation just a little bit tonight. And can I say, please, before I move on, I think it's always good for us to put ourselves in other people's shoes, other people's situations. I think too often we're quick to judge, right? And quick to have an opinion about something. But this lady was dealing with her husband that has passed and now these two sons and debts that she cannot pay and so, very wisely, she turns for some counsel from the man of God. May I say that's always a wise thing. The Bible talks about in the multitude of counselors, there is safety. I believe that if you have a, a, a situation in life that you're not real sure, maybe what you should do, obviously the first person we go to is always our Heavenly Father, amen? We can always come and, and give our request to the Lord. Come boldly to the throne of grace that we might find grace to help in time of need. Obviously, we should always come to God first, but I think it's also appropriate at times that we go and seek counsel or wisdom from wise men. Your pastor is a wise man. He is a man of God for you and for you to, to take counsel. And maybe even, and I'll be honest, after 32 years of pastoring, sometimes I didn't have the answer, but I could certainly pray with that church member. 
I could certainly say, look, we're going to have to trust the Lord in this and I'll bear this burden with you and I'll walk this valley with you and let's uh, make sure that you know you're not alone. And I think we see a little bit of that in this story as Elisha becomes aware of the story, the, the situation this lady is going through that we're going to find some really great practical truths that we can apply to our own lives. I want you to notice, if you would please, the Bible says in verse number two, and Elisha said unto her. So obviously, Elisha is now beginning to, to be involved in this situation, to, to, be giving to uh, begin to give some advice and some counsel. And Elisha said unto her, what shall I do for thee? Tell me, what hast thou in the house? And she said, thine handmaid hath not anything in the house save a pot of oil. Now, before we get to the rest of the story, we'll begin to, to draw application from the story. And let me just stop and say, your preacher said there's no time limit tonight. Amen? It's Sunday evening, and I can just preach as long as, uh, as I can. You're not smiling at me. Come on, it's a joke, a little bit of a joke, all right? So uh, you hang in there, and we'll learn some great truths together tonight. I'd like you to, to note two statements that I'm going to make this evening. If you're a note taker, you might want to write a few things down tonight. I want you to first write down or jot down, whether on paper or in your mind tonight, this statement, responsibilities beyond her resources. Here was the first problem. She had some responsibilities beyond her resources. Would you say that phrase with me? Ready? Responsibilities beyond her resources. Uh, Elisha asks in verse number two, uh, what have you in the house? I know that you have an issue and there's a problem and, and you have creditors and, and maybe if you have something, we can sell it maybe. And, and, and what's in the house? He's kind of trying to find uh, some answers for her. But her answer is, I, I have one thing. I have one little pot of oil. That's it. That's all. Have you ever felt like that? Have you ever felt like when a responsibility has come upon you and you look at what you have on the human side of things, in the human realm, it looks like there is no possible way you're going to find your way out of this situation. How many of you have ever been in that kind of a situation before? Uh, it could be a financial situation. It could be a health concern. It could be an anxiety or a fear or a problem or, or something that has come upon you in life. Maybe a passing away of a loved one like this. She finds herself with a responsibility that is beyond her resources. The second statement I'd like to give to you tonight is this. There was also an accountability that was beyond her ability. There was, say with me, an accountability that was beyond her ability. So she has a responsibility. How many of you would agree tonight that the debt was owed, right? The creditors Obviously, there was money or, or something that had been borrowed and, and she was not able to pay. Her husband did not take care of that. He passes away. Maybe we might say there's no life insurance here. There, there's no safety net. Uh, there, there are no uh, held back investments or resources, but she still has a responsibility to pay. But that responsibility is being weighed now with no resources to take care of it. She is accountable for this debt, but there's no ability. There's an accountability, but in her own ability, she is coming up empty. And let me just stop and say, I think we all have been there from time to time. 
when our human resources have come to the end. There's a great song that uh, was actually in one of the praises books years ago. I don't think Ron Hamilton wrote that, but it's talking about the grace of God that is often given and that when we have come to the end of our resources, that God's grace is always there to give us what we do not have of our own. That's what we're talking about tonight. That often there are times in life that we need to, let me remind you of the title, to live beyond our means. Living beyond our means. Would you agree with me that often in Christianity, that more is often required of us than we feel that we are able to accomplish? Uh, we can look through the scriptures and I'll just mention a couple. I, I thought about Moses, for instance. Here's Moses and God comes to him in a burning bush and, and that great uh, uh, a theophany there of how I'm going to use you, Moses, and, and I want you to go to Pharaoh and, and I want you to say, let my people go. And Moses looks at him and says, but I can't talk. How many of you remember Moses had some issues with his speech, right? I'm not making fun of stuttering. I'm, I'm telling you this is what Moses dealt with. And Moses said, I, I, you want me to, the, the spokesman, to go and say, let my people go? Don't you know that Moses felt overwhelmed with that responsibility that was laid upon him, right? I, I thought about Gideon. You know, we could go through the book of Judges, and I've been reading uh, the book, uh, the Bible chronologically this year, and just kind of got done through Joshua and Judges, and, and Gideon obviously was one of those Judges, and, and throughout the book of Judges, we find that, that the enemies of God often are coming against the people of God, and they would raise up a deliverer. And often they were men that you would might look at and say, wow, okay, I know why God chose him. Do you remember where Gideon was when God came to him? <laughs> he was scared to death over uh, hiding out behind the, in the wine press, kind of making sure no one was going to see him. And here's this angel of God comes and says, God wants you, sir. <laughs> hey, son, God wants you. God's going to use you to bring great deliverance. You ever felt like God gave you a job that was bigger than you? Come on now, it's called pastoring, Amen. Has God ever given you, it's called when you get those children that come home, right? I remember when my daughter gave birth to our first grandson there and, and uh, it, it just enjoying that, looking forward to that. Uh, but, but a little while later, you know, we had a little conversation and, and, and she was basically saying, you know, what have we done? We brought this little human home. I'm not even sure I can keep this little thing alive, you know, and I don't know what I'm doing and I, I'm so young. I think we've all been there, right? A responsibility that seemingly is greater than our resources, not only Moses and Gideon, I think about often the disciples, how, how Jesus gave them a command to feed 5,000 people. And, and they looked and they said, you know what, all we have are, we got a little lad here has a little lunch, right? We got some fishes and we got some loaves. In fact, he says, but what are they among so many? He said, look, even if we had 200 penny worth of, of money to go and buy bread, it would not be enough to feed 5,000. How many of you know that often God asks you to do something that is beyond your resources because he knows how he's going to come through? He knows how he's going to get the glory from it. And Jesus obviously knew, well, I can just take one little lad's lunch and I can just break it and break it and break it and break it and break it. And not only, my friend, were there 5,000 or more people fed, there were 12 baskets left over. Isn't that just like God? Come on. You see, often we are overwhelmed by what we think are our responsibilities. And we're looking first at the meager resources that we have instead of looking at the great God 
that holds everything in his hands. Amen? Your God is your heavenly father and that heavenly father is the creator of all that there is and he promised you that he will take care of you and that he will meet every need you have. He did not often say that he'll give you an abundance, but he did say you could pray for your daily bread. You see, often we want to try to get ahead of God, don't we? We, we look at this big responsibility and we got to kind of figure it all out. How many of you have figured out that you can't figure it all out? Come on now, anybody there? Come on. But we try, don't we? We, we, we want to have it all figured out. We want, I don't know, I, I'm, I'm a type A personality. I know you didn't notice that about me at all. I, I'm a go-doer, I'm a go-getter, I'm, I'm a planner. Uh, we talked about administration today and, and uh, uh, he was bragging on you, Brother Tim, and you're, you're an administrator and you got things all planned out and, and I'm kind of like that as well. And sometimes uh, monkey wrenches get thrown into my plans. Amen. Something happens, I didn't see it happen, and it just flusters me. And sometimes God is saying, I'm just going to step back and see how you're going to handle this. You're going to try to do it in your own power, or are you going to come and depend on me? And that's what we're going to find in this story here, friends. We're going to find that this little lady comes up against a problem that is way too big for her, a responsibility that there is not enough resource in her own bank account, in her own ability to pay, and she doesn't know where to turn. But I believe that this often is where God wants us to be. You know, really, that's the Christian life. It's what we might say is the foundation of faith. Doesn't Hebrews eleven six 6 say, but without faith, it is impossible to please him? Well, look, then if I want to please the Lord, that means sometimes I'm going to have to exercise some faith because if I don't have faith, I can't please the Lord. Is everybody with me on that? And sometimes faith comes because I can't figure it out. Faith is dependence, right? Faith is trusting. Faith is letting God be God. Faith is doing what God has asked me to do even when I don't see how it's going to turn out. And this is the story we're going to find here in just a little while. Let me just jump ahead. Uh, the, the, Elisha says, go, go get some empty, uh, some empty pots. Can I just ask you, what good are empty pots? You know, she says, I only got one little, little, little uh, 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 pot of oil in my house. That's all that I have. And you're asking me now to go get empty pots. What am I going to do with those? Now, God knew what he was going to do with those. There was a great miracle about to happen. Amen. I'm not even sure Elisha knew what was going to happen with that. Amen. Sometimes we as preachers, we just say, hey, you just better trust God because we may not know what God's going to do, but we know God can do it. Amen. And that's where faith comes in. I don't know what you're, what you're dealing with tonight. I don't know where you're at tonight. I don't know where uh, some area of your life, you don't have the resources, but there's this great heavy responsibility that is upon you. May I just say to you tonight, sometimes you need to live beyond your means. The Christian life often is that. Living by faith, loving your enemy, forgiving when wronged, to give a tithe of your money. There's some maybe in this room tonight, you say, I, I, I can't afford to tithe. I, I just don't, I don't see how that, that can be. Uh, I, I know what I make. I know what my bills are. And you know that often, my friend, it's, it's stepping out in obedience to the Lord and taking God at his word. Prove me now herewith, he says. And that is in relation to money and giving our tithes and our offerings. And I thank God for your missions program that you mentioned tonight. You know, over and above a tithe, giving of my free will, giving out of a great love that I have for God and for this world. And, but some may say, I just don't see how I can do that. Sometimes we have to live beyond our means. 
And so with all of that background laid, we're going to come to the, to the actual story here tonight. And I'm going to give you, I don't know, four or five things tonight. We'll just kind of watch the time. And, uh, we'll just let the Lord lead us here. And I'd like to give you a few observations or what we might call some practical application to this story for you and for me. Let me answer the question, why, why does God do this to us sometimes? Can I just, let me just ask and see here. Could God have kept her husband alive? But he didn't, did he? He allowed this good man to pass. Could God have brought him back to life? Sure, we, we know he's the God of the resurrection, right? He could. In fact, weren't there some people in Elisha's ministry, I'm thinking of a young boy that died, remember? They came and said, this boy's died, and Elisha raises him back to life. Could God have done that? Sure. God could have done all kinds of things. God could do anything he wants. But for whatever reason, he wanted this little lady to learn some great lessons. And so we, we trust in the great hand of God to sometimes cause us to live beyond our means. Why would God do this? Here's the first thought that I want to give you. And we find it in verses 1, 4, and 5. And I'm just going to show you that there is a phrase that is found three times in these three verses. Would you notice at the end of verse number 1 of chapter number 4, We've already mentioned this in the story, but I want you to see the Bible says that the creditor has come to take unto him, watch this, my two sons. So notice, two sons. Would you look at verse number four with me tonight, please? The Bible says, and when thou art come in, thou shalt shut the door upon thee and upon, what are the next two words, church? Thy sons. Would you notice, please, in verse five? So she went with him and shut the door upon her What's the next phrase? Read it with me. And upon her sons. Look this way, please. I'd like to speak to the parents just a moment here in this first point. Why does God do this? Why does God allow us to sometimes go through very difficult situations that we cannot find our, or see our way out? And God, it almost seems as if God leaves us to our own resources, although he doesn't. But he wants us to trust in him. Why? Number one, my first point is this. I believe that God often wants us to live beyond our means because our children need exposure to spiritual experiences. Our children need to be exposed to spiritual experiences. You see, I, I think maybe we're, as adults, we maybe look at the story and we kind of have pity upon the woman. She's lost her husband, right? But let's remember that these two boys have also lost a dad. They've also lost a father. They have lost a breadwinner. Obviously, they've lost the one that was providing for them. They've lost their, their daddy that was training for the ministry, a, a good man and a man of God, and, and he is now gone. Why would God allow this to happen or take place in this family's life? Often, I believe over the years, Brother Bish, God has allowed us to go through things in ministry. Oh, yes, to teach us great lessons. But looking back on that, because we had little children, our girls were watching how we would respond, how we would react. Would we trust God? 
Would we live out, stay with me church, would we live out what daddy preached from the pulpit? See, it's very easy to preach the truths from the word of God when everything's going well. It's a little more difficult sometimes to live it out when you're not behind the pulpit on a Thursday afternoon, but you still know God's word is true. And you know that your children are watching you. These boys, I want you to put yourself in, in, in the story here. Put yourself in the shoes of these boys. They're watching now their mother go through a difficult season. They know that mom has gone to the man of God and the man of God has given some instruction here. And these boys are going through this with mom in, in like manner, a spiritual experience. Now, let me just say, these boys had a definite interest in whether God was going to come through or not. Because the story says, watch me, the story says that the creditors were gonna come take these two boys and put them into bond service, right? You're gonna now work to pay off dad's debt. These boys had a vested interest in, is God coming through or not? Amen. Again, we don't know how old these young men were. Maybe teenage boys, I don't know. Old enough to work, old enough to, to have, have to uh, you know, be called upon to, to earn some money to pay the debt off. But likewise, these boys are watching their mother and they're watching how mom is gonna be trusting in the Lord and how mom is gonna be counseling with the man of God. And, and knowing what is being asked, they're actually gonna be a part of the process. They're going to go get these empty vessels. Are you with me? We're getting to that part of the story. And may I just say, here's the point. I don't want to, I don't want to miss this. I believe it's often good that God allows us to do that so that our, God, our kids can see God at work. So watch them and say it this way. So that our kids can see God answers prayer. So that our kids can see God can be trusted. You see, when they're living in our home and maybe they're the ones not responsible, they may not pick up on these truths as well as when they're gonna have to live it out themselves. You know, obviously, my daughters are, are grown and married now. My oldest daughter just turned 30. That's hard to believe, just April the 3rd. We had a big surprise celebration for her and her husband did a lot of great things behind the scenes for this surprise party and her sister came in from North Carolina and we just enjoyed kind of celebrating our daughter's 30th birthday. But I remember when she was three. I remember when she was not yet five and I got to lead her to the Lord on a Thursday night after soul winning. And I remember coming back and my wife said, and we knew that Carmen had been talking about salvation and asking about being saved. And we thought she was so very young. You know how we're kind of trying to put her off just a little bit. We want to make sure she understands. And she wasn't having any of it. We got to get saved right now, daddy. And I remember opening my Bible and leading my daughter, both daughters, but Carmen to Christ. And, you know, I remember being in ministry in those early days, uh, pastoring large, uh, very small churches at that point. And, and having to trust in the Lord and having to follow the Lord's leading. And looking back on that, my daughters were along that journey with us. And I believe now that as 30-year-old young ladies and my other daughter almost 28, married, serving, in the, serving the Lord in the ministry, that they are watching and remember, watch this, that there were times when mom and dad didn't have resources. The responsibility was too large but they watched mom and dad trust in the Lord. And can I just say, those are great, less, great life lessons for your kids. 
that they could, that they could um, not understand it any other way had you not gone through the difficulties. So maybe the difficulties are, are really not to be shunned. Maybe they are to be embraced. Maybe they are to be welcomed in. I'm not saying that this woman would say, oh yeah, yippee, my husband is dead. I'm not saying that. I'm not saying have a party because he's gone. Now, there are probably some marriages when one leaves, it's like, okay, I thank God they've moved on, right? No, and that would be no marriages in this room, amen? In fact, I hope no one, I hope a husband didn't say amen right there because he's and his wife right beside him. We're, we're in big trouble, right? We'll be doing marriage counseling after the service, right? But my point is, is that it did happen. And now they have to deal with it. And here are these two boys that are learning a life lesson. They're learning a God lesson. They're learning spiritual lessons. And our children need exposure to spiritual experiences. Our kids need to see God at work. Our kids need to see God answer prayer. Our, our kids need to see God come through. And sometimes they can only see that when the times are tough and the difficulties are there and life seems to be falling in. And then God comes to fix the problem. God comes to meet the need. God gives grace. The faith that we exercise, that we give to the Lord, not only does that please the Lord, that teaches our children as well. I remember this as a child. I know I've used my own daughters as an example, but let me tell you just a little bit, and I know my dear brother down here that I cannot pronounce his name, he tried to help me pronounce his name this morning, but uh, I still don't remember it. Schleswowski or something like that. I'm not real sure, but uh, he's, he knows my dad, met my dad uh, not uh, too long ago. You know, my father didn't go into the ministry until he was 30 years of age. Now, my dad is 76 now and uh, had a 40-year pastoral career and kind of semi-retired and works in the prisons there in Florida, as I mentioned this morning. But my dad had a military career, 12 years. He was in Air Force kind of moving up the ranks and making a good living, had a, had a you know, good little family there, three little kids, and, and uh, bought their first house in Cross Lanes, West Virginia. Things were looking good. Had gotten saved, that we were all in church, and God came knocking on my dad's door as about a 28-year-old man, started working on his heart about the call to preach. At the age of 30, my dad sold their house, packed up all of the kids, all of us, I would have been about eight. My other brother and sister would have been about uh, three and two. And we headed off to Bible college at the age of 30. The next year, my two-year-old brother gets diagnosed with lymphoma cancer. Here's my dad trying to pay his way through college working a job, going to, going to college in the day, working in the night and trying to keep things, all the bills paid and learn what he's supposed to learn. And, and now my son's got cancer. And on and on these things, as you know, things happen in life, right? But I remember as an eight-year-old boy, a nine-year-old boy, I remember after dad got done with Bible college, he went and started a church, planted a church in 1979 down in Eleanor, West Virginia. God does not even know where Eleanor, West Virginia is. Down the river from Charleston, about 30 miles. That's where we were from. Here's my dad just knocking doors, trying to start a church. 
we meet in a fire hall, second floor, up above a, a, a fire uh, station on the bottom. I had a little hall on the top where we rented and then uh, had moved from that place to another place. And then we moved from that place to an old IGA store and, and started to refurbish it. And, and, and here's my dad preaching and, and starting a church and, and uh, building people and all of these things. I'm watching as a child. I'm watching. I'm watching. I didn't know at the age of 13 that God was going to call me to follow in my dad's footsteps. He was going to call me to be a preacher. Can I just say to you, please, watching my father in those early days go through the difficult times, the living by faith, the following the will of God has helped me for the last three decades to stay on track. Because I watched God come through for my dad. Amen. Is anybody there with me tonight? You know what I'm talking about? God comes through for you. Maybe it wasn't just for you. Maybe it was as much for your children that were watching you go through that. And can I say that now as grandparents, maybe it's the next generation watching us as well. Is our pops and Gigi still going to serve the Lord? Can I say to you, Brother Bish, 14 months ago when I resigned a very large church with a pretty good pay package, all our needs were met. We were empty nesters. And for whatever reason, God came knocking on my door and wanted me to launch out by faith. You see, you, you, see, you never outgrow living by faith, friends. Did you hear what I said? You never outgrow living by faith. It's gonna be for the rest of our lives because that's how God wants us to live. Dependence on him. Sometimes our children need exposure to spiritual experiences. Secondly, please, I want you to see that our responsibility, not our resources, determine our assignment. I'll say it again. Our responsibility, not our resources, determine our assignment. Okay, the responsibility in the story is the creditor must be paid. The resources in the story is there's nothing in the house except this one pot of oil. Here's the assignment. Are you ready? We find it here in the scriptures. The assignment is, look at verse 3 with me. Then he said, go, this is Elisha, now talking to the widow woman, go, borrow the vessels abroad of all thy neighbors, even empty vessels, borrow not a few. Now, now wait a minute. Could God have used Elisha to say, here, I'm just going to get in my wallet and I'm just going to pull out the money you need for the creditors. That could have happened. That's not what happened. I don't know. Elisha probably didn't have that kind of money. Maybe there weren't the resources there either. There was a greater lesson that was going to be learned. And so the assignment here that seems well above her ability to pay. I don't, my responsibility is I've got these creditors and I've got these sons. And if, if I don't pay this debt, the boys are going to be taken. And, and God, I just don't know what I'm going to do. So the assignment is go borrow empty vessels. Now that doesn't make much sense, does it? Why, why not be like Ethel going to Lucy's house and ask for some oil, right? Amen? A cup of sugar, right? Or some flour. Everybody know what I'm talking about? Remember I Love Lucy? Remember that? Was that too long ago? That was a, that was a TV show that some of these young kids you have no idea about, right? And Ethel was always barging in, right? Or, or Lucy was always barging in to go, to go borrow some. Why not go borrow oil? Did you notice the Bible says she was to borrow empty vessels? That's a key. Empty vessels, not full vessels. 
not uh, go to the store and beg a little bit. Do you have some oil that you're not using that maybe I could have? I'm in a hard spot over here. For whatever reason, the assignment that did not make human sense. How many of you know sometimes God's word doesn't make human sense? <laughs> but God knows what he's doing. And he's about to teach this lady a great lesson. You see, our responsibility, not our resources, determine what our assignment is. What good are empty vessels? Empty vessels are only good because there's some faith that is about to be exercised. You see, you and I must be empty before we can be filled. Did you hear what I said? You and I must be empty before we can be filled. This lady had to come to the end of her resources before God could come through, before God would come through. Because God wanted this woman to see that it was all of him and none of her. Isn't that, isn't that the lesson we often have to learn as well? Isn't it like that in salvation? Let me ask you a question. Is your salvation 90% what Christ did and 10% what you do? No. Is it 99% what Christ did and 1% what you did? No. It's all of Christ. How many agree with that? I mean, salvation is all about what Jesus did for me, right? You can't get saved thinking you did some of it. Jesus paid it all. All to him I owe, right? My point here is, is that sometimes... The responsibility and the resources don't seem to, to match up here. And the assignment is go borrow something that is empty because that empty vessel is about to be filled by God. Here's the third statement I'd like, to see, uh, like, you, like you to see tonight. And that is you must start with what you have. You must start with what you have. Look back at verse number two. What did she have? Are you, are you tracking the story with me here? What, is, what, what was in the house? We know in verse number two, what's the last phrase of verse number two? Save a pot of oil. So she did have something, right? Now, in a minute, she's gonna go in, uh, borrow empty vessels, but there is something that God is gonna take the little bit that she has to make much of what she did not have. And so I want you to see that, that the third point here is you must start with what you have. What hast thou in thy house? You know, Romans 12 and verse number three talks about that every man has been given a measure of grace. A measure of grace. A measure of, of I'm sorry, a measure of faith in, in Romans 12, three. Ephesians 4, 7 talks about a measure of faith. It may not seem much to you, but he says, use what you have. All right, let's go back to salvation for just a moment. Does it take a lot of faith to get saved? No, it just takes the simple faith of a child. Is that right? Just simple faith. Lord, I believe. Lord, I know that I'm a sinner. I know that, that I don't deserve heaven. And I believe that you are the very son of God. It just takes the measure of faith, the smallest grain of a mustard seed for you to say, God, I believe. And that's what he was asking this lady to do. Take the little bit that you have. You must start with what you have. You see, every Christian has something that God is going to use to do something even bigger with. Number four is this. And I, let me hasten here. We need, we need, sometimes, here's the fourth lesson, we need a project bigger than we are. We need a project that is bigger than we are. Would you notice the phrase there where he says, 
to the young, uh, to the young men, go borrow some empty vessels. Notice the phrase, borrow not a few. Borrow not a few. You see, sometimes we need a project that is bigger than we are. Living beyond our means causes us to then reach our potential because we take the little bit that we have and he says, now, I want you to go and ask your neighbor, get all of the vessels that you can, empty vessels, why? Because God was gonna fill them. Think about this. The more she and those boys had gathered, the more oil that God would have provided, right? God is, how many believe God's a big God? But how many also believe that God can fix a big problem? Right? And this lady had a big problem. And sometimes that problem seems so overwhelming to us. And sometimes we need to have a project that is bigger than we are. And so I have to depend on God. And the only thing really she could do was go and be obedient to the instructions that were given to her. And that leads me to number five. This will help us to develop instant obedience. This helps us to develop instant obedience. Look with me at verse number five, would you please? Look at the first phrase. So she went from him and shut the door upon her and upon her sons who brought the vessels to her and she poured out. She is immediately becoming obedient to what the man of God told her to do. The answer was now given to her. And I believe that often this situation helps us to develop instant obedience. Look, small obediences grow into great faith. Small obediences grow into great faith. Let me say it again a minute, a minute ago. We mentioned our children. They may have small faith growing up. But I promise you that since our girls have been grown and married now for a few years, my daughter's now been married to be 10 years in August that she's been married. They've gone through some difficulties, right? As husband and wife, they've gone through some difficulties starting a business. They've gone through, through some difficulties in serving the Lord and ministry. And they're taking the, the, lesson, the little lessons that they learned back in our home and they're able to now put them into instant obedience in their own lives. You see, I think that God was planning for their future. And God is doing that often in our own lives. He wants us to develop instant obedience. Notice in verse six, the man of God says, bring me yet a vessel. Bring me yet a vessel. Look, all of those vessels that you went, those empty vessels, I'm, go I'm going to do something with them. Go get me a vessel and let's watch God work. Let's get down to verse number seven, please. And we'll try to, try to land this plane here tonight. Verse seven. The Bible says, then she came and she told the man of God and he said, go sell the oil. Here, here was the plan, right, all along. Get these empty vessels. You take the little bit of, uh, of, pot, of the pot of oil you have, start pouring, and guess what? It never ran out, right? She just kept filling. Bring me another vessel. She kept filling. Bring me another vessel. She kept filling. And now verse 7 says, go and sell the oil and pay thy debt. Live thou and thy children of the rest. Can I just give you a great thought here as we're closing the message? You always get more out of this than you went seeking. You and I will always get more. When we live by faith, when we trust the Lord, when we depend upon him, instead of just saying, oh, the problem's too big and God, I just don't think you can get me out of this one or we try to figure it out ourselves. When we just do what God says, we, it always ends up better for us. 
it always ends up with more abundance for us. Why? Because you always get more out of it than you went seeking. She only had one pot of oil to begin with, and now she has multiple pots of oil, right? And I said a moment ago, had they borrowed more, could God have kept on giving? Sure. I wonder if we should take the Bible recommendation about giving unto the Lord, right? Give, and it shall be given unto you, pressed down, shaken together, and running over, right? I think so often in this thing of giving, we want to give just a little bit, but we want God to give a lot. He says, no, you give so that I can then in return give back. And how many of you know that God over and over and over is way better to us than any of us deserve? Come on now. When you take that first step of obedience, you take that first step of faith. When you come and depend upon the Lord to the place where you will realize that God has now given to me to take care of these issues and these problems. You see, God always blesses obedience. James 1.5, if any man lack wisdom, let him ask of God, right? You need wisdom, just ask. God said, I'll give it to all men, how? Liberally. And I'll upbraid you not. He says, I, I, I will not uh, uh, be upset with you that you've asked for this. Malachi 3 and verse number 10, uh, prove me now herewith in the tithe and the offering. He said, will I not open to you windows of heaven that you, and pour you out a blessing that you shall not be able to receive it? I'm saying that God is a God that can be trusted and that over and over and over again, God gives us times and situations in our lives. And I'm going to read you one last passage, Romans 8 and verse 32, and we're done, that God often is so much better to us than we ever could deserve or ever could ask for when we just truly trust him. You know, Romans 8 and verse number 32, and I'll read this last statement. The Bible says, He that spared not his own son but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Can I ask you a question? What was the greatest gift God ever gave? Well, was it not Jesus Christ, his own son, to die on the cross? And that verse in Romans 8, 32 says, if God can give his best, if he can give his son, will he not also take care of the things that you need? Will he not freely give you the things that you have need of? You know, Matthew 6 talks about that God knows what you need before we even understand or know what we need. And so tonight, close your Bibles and we're done this evening. Are you living in a situation right now that seemingly is beyond your ability to pay? Are you living beyond your means? It may be tonight that God wanted me to preach this message from this Old Testament story. Isn't it a great thing that something happened thousands of years ago still has relevance to what we deal with today? Oh, it may not be that we all have pots of oil in our house, right? But God may have a truth for you tonight. I, I don't know what he did in your heart this evening. Preaching always affects us all in a different way. But the same word of God and the same truth, I'm going to ask for God to apply it to you tonight. And maybe, maybe there's an altar visit that you need to make this evening. Maybe there in your heart is something that you need to give to God. Let go of it. You say, God, I've been trying to figure this out myself. I, I've tried to, uh, and I think that I, I can just fix this. And I, if I do this and this and that, and God may just say, go get some empty vessels. Go get some empty vessels because then it's not about you, it's about him. And so tonight, I don't know what God's dealing with you and your heart about. If you're not saved, obviously that measure of faith, let's make sure that exercises, let's make sure that we're saved tonight. But maybe for the Christian this evening, whatever, de whatever you're dealing with, whatever the problem is, whatever the issue is, 
I don't know that it's any more desperate than this woman here that's lost her husband. She has two boys. She can't pay her debts. She's about to have everything taken from her. You know, sometimes God puts us in a situation where all we can do is look up. Would that be you tonight? Let's all stand. Would you please with me? Our heads are bowed. Our eyes are closed. Father, I...